Brian Beeler with Storage Review. On this podcast, yes, you can see we're doing it in the lab. We've tried to make it quiet, but uh, being here felt right today because we're talking about this, the Home Lab 15, and other things from 45 Drives. I've got Doug Milburn uh, from 45 Drives who's joining us, and, and Doug will get us up to speed on everything about 45 Drives, everything about the HL15 Home Lab server. And as usual, we're streaming this live on our Discord. So if you want to participate in this podcast and put your questions in and have me uh, ask those of Doug or any of our guests, be sure you're in our Discord. Discord.gg slash storage review is how you do that. Get in there. We've got about 3,000 strong of uh, fellow geeks and nerds that are talking 24-7, mostly about technology, but all sorts of other things. Uh, lest I blabber on for more, Doug, thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? Awesome. Thanks, Brian. I am doing well here in the uh, late afternoon in Nova Scotia in November. So. You must have snow in Nova Scotia? Nah, you know, we're pretty mild climate. Where snow is probably not going to come. I'm lucky to have it at Christmas. Oh, so. really? That's not so bad then. I think everyone, no, not everyone. I think me, as an American in Cincinnati, just pictures anything north of about Columbus as snow territory. We don't get much in the Ohio River Valley. Yeah, you know, we're we're actually way east is what we are. And people, you know, you look at the maps, they've squeezed east coast, north, south. We're way east. So, uh, yeah, we get, we get a lot of precipitation in the winter and sometimes they're buried in snow. And then the next, you know, next week we had a big rainstorm and it'll all melt. Oh. Well, it seems an unlikely place to build a storage company. How did that come about? Actually, give us a little bit of perspective on, on who you are and, and how you got into this in the first place as well. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, why are we here? I, I, I was born and grew up here. That's the roots. Uh, I'm, uh, uh, you know, a, a geek by birth and uh, like all things electronic, computer, mechanical, whatever else. Uh, uh, went off and studied physics for a couple of degrees, uh, then did a PhD in mechanical engineering. Uh, very experimental. Uh, learned electronics, digital electronics, analog electronics. Uh, played with computers, uh, it loved tying computers to things. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, along the way, I, a bunch of other things, you know, I ended up and I became an entrepreneur. I set up all our networks and everything else as, as part of entrepreneuring. So that's kind of it. Uh, got out of grad school, started my first company and uh, decided to uh, decide to move back to this part of the world. And, you know, it's, it's one of the really interesting things. It's what I love about technology is, you know, and, and with internet you know we're talking in video here and you know you're in Ohio Valley I'm in Nova Scotia and we can live where we want to live right and it's really really cool and do what we want to do so now more cool than ever with. yeah I mean when, when you made that decision though you were a bit of a uh, an early pioneer on not exactly work from home but make everyone work from where you wanted to be I mean that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> we you know what Nova Scotia is an interesting place uh Nova Scotia had had nine universities, a couple of them amalgamated, and there's about a million people in Nova Scotia. Really, really highly educated population here, and uh, so yeah, we have all kinds of people. And in fact, the you know I'm an old steel and coal country, and uh, and you know it's all coal mine steel plant here when I was growing up. So uh, you know people with technology either you know got to work on that or you you know work in the university or you moved right in the old days. Uh, so it was actually, it's good. It's uh, you know, a lot of pent up demand for people who want to live in this part of the world. And you know, people like the outdoors, uh, you know, uh, 
sea coast sailing. Uh, we got a couple ski hills around here in the winter time, and all the hiking and you know and outdoor stuff you ever wanted. Surfing. So if you like that kind of stuff, great place to live. All right. If you like Hoffels Towers, not so much. So. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to uh, come visit you. That seems uh, it seems like a little bit more outdoorsy version of Cincinnati. So we're we're not so different in in that regard. Yeah. So are Absolutely. you, I mean, you're talking about the technology, but you're also a metal bender, right? I mean, to put it in, in, in the simplest terms possible. I mean, how did you figure that part of the business out too? Sure. Uh, let me, uh, so yeah, PhD research, uh, you know, postdoc. I went to a place called University of Waterloo in Ontario, my grad school. Uh, and uh, entrepreneurial, I started a company that's still, actually it's doing great. It's, it's, leader in its field, natural lighting, light diffusing glass, another long story. Uh, in trying to do all my research, I was just stuck. You know, you know, when you're doing things, it's one thing if you're just in the electronic world, but if you, as soon as you step even seriously into that world or you move into where I was, you know, materials research, building manufacturing equipment, stuff like that, you need metal things. And yeah, they're, they're kind of just dumb, you know, pieces of sheet metal or machine parts or whatever else. I'm, being facetious about that, there's a lot to it. And uh, it struggled in the, in the work we were doing. So we started a company called Protocase, uh, my business partner and I, who went through you know similar challenges. And uh, it's become, you know, Protocase become the name if you want electronic enclosure, sheet metal parts, if you're a scientist or engineer, and now machine parts. And we built that, it just kept on growing. And, you know, we, uh, anybody who's anybody in technology, who builds electronics or you know builds technology things? It's so broad: aerospace, private space, uh, uh, you know, every level of innovation. Uh, we become the name for it. Uh, in building these companies, we had this real strong research background. Uh, you know, and you think about bending metal, and it's like to do what we do: small jobs for science and engineering. It's about moving information. Like the metal bending, straightforward. You know, you, you got to invest lots of money, buy fancy machinery, but it's straightforward. But to do small jobs, it's about being able to take in designs from people. And we reached back. We actually developed our own 3D CAD software. It's called Protocase Designer, hmm. built from the ground up, whole server background, uh, fully electronic. We'll go from a scientist's brain in through our CAD system and all the way out to our machinery and FedEx completely electronically. That's all built from the ground up over the last 20 years and uh, gives us an enormous competitive advantage. So we built up this, we're really hidden inside that metal company is a technology powerhouse that uh, leads the, you know, absolutely leading in it. Uh, and along the way, you know, the, the, the story, there's a company called Backblaze, which you know, lots of the audience might know them as a pioneer, yeah, backup. And, and now the word now that people recognize what cloud storage provider is yeah. uh, uh, one of the leaders in that. Um, and we started, we got involved with Backblaze as they tried to reinvent and rethink storage servers uh, to take them down from, take them down from enterprise. When I say down from enterprise, they, they wanted up the capacity. And for their thing, uh, you know, it's cold, it's a cold storage business largely. And uh, so speed wasn't an issue and they're, you know, way ahead in clustering, you know, to do what they do. And, uh, and, and anyway, we got involved with them and, and started, you know, 
that work through the, the whole form factor that they built their business on. Uh, yeah. Along yeah. the way, uh, some other companies came to us. One of them was Netflix. And we had a chat with Netflix about building computers for them. Never went there, but they shared their electrical architecture with us. And uh, they're different from Backblaze because speed became very you know, important to them, streaming. You know, if I remember correctly, uh, you know, at the time they're talking about one to 2,000 video streams coming out, uh, coming out of one box. And uh, oh, it's, it's a lot of data. Uh, and, uh, and so we we're all ears and very open about their architecture. We had a couple other communications companies to work with. We talked about that electrical architecture. We ended up, you know, so the whole basis is Thornator. And, and you know, now it's, uh, it, it's, you know, Home Labs optimized uh, offspring, the HL15. Uh, it was all about taking that form factor, evolving it, making it really, really convenient for server room people, you know, toolless, simple, robust, built to maintain and live forever, along with the electrical architecture, that you know, our philosophy is everything we design has a, uh, a straight lane from each storage device through to the PCI bus and, and, and into the CPU, and then some good wide lanes coming out of there. So that basically the machines are designed to be able to operate all the storage devices in parallel to get some incredible data rates. And with that comes reliability in a strange way that the rest of the high, the high density server world uh, has been built around multiplexing to save costs. And the minute you multiplex, you have, two things happen you multiplex. Number one, you slow your speed down, which is not necessarily for a lot of things. You still big boxes with enough parallelism, still pretty fast. But you end up, there's another driver layer you have to go through, which was when we uh, you know, dealt with early on with people dealing with Backblaze servers, trying to adapt them to multiple purpose, uh, just tripping over the drivers and tripping over the drivers. So, you know, we developed our, our, you know, evolved that direct wired architecture that we call it. Now, everything we do is based on that ultra simple, ultra fast, build, you know, big, strong, fast. So that's who we are. That's the basis of who we are technically anyway. All right, well, Doug, you covered about 37 points I want to <laughs> get back into and, and, and touch on. But for anyone that wants to get up on the HL15 or maybe if you're listening to the audio only on your uh, favorite podcast player, do go check out our video on YouTube. We've done a, uh, an initial unboxing and a rig up of this thing. And of course, um, the fun, fun part, depending on your perspective of fun, is that uh, my guys, Jordan and Kevin, turned this into something I don't think it was necessarily intended to be. So check out that video. It's, it's fun and you'll see uh, my exasperation at, uh, at why they've put three SSDs, a GPU, and then swapped out the CPU in this thing. Oh, and then got this, uh, got this rig from Noctua to put in there. I don't know what they're doing. I, sometimes I just quit asking questions and just let it wash over me. So that's one thing. Check out the YouTube for uh, a video on the HL15. Tells you everything you need to know to get started there. Uh, second thing, when you go back to Backblaze as, as where, I guess, this concept around big storage servers started, you, you sort of casually said you know, they were a cloud provider or an archive offsite data services provider or, or however they pitched it back then. But at that time, it, the cloud world was still pretty nascent, right? And you had, you had the big guys, AWS was out there with, with their cheap and deep and slow sort of uh, Iron Mountain alternative for getting 
off-site copies out there, and, and there were other things there, but if you look at the traditional infrastructure space, hard drive density wasn't necessarily a big focus. Now there for sure were boxes from Supermicro and a bunch of the other uh, OEMs and ODMs, but maybe not, as you said, with the simplicity and cost profile, with also an eye towards performance that you went after with that first Storinator. Is, is that a fair characterization? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, what's been happening since we've started, uh, well, I mean, since eternity, the, the, the tech world evolves, right? And, uh, you know, what we're seeing is just, you know, a massive growth in uh, in, in the amount of data that, that our, our world produces now. And, you know, we're seeing people evolve, you know, companies evolve. We see more AI, for example, and they talk about AI, you want to learn on a mega data set. Well, now you got to be able to read and, you know, read out of it quickly. You got to be able to, you know, fill the darn thing and you got to be able to read out of it at a speed that works. So there's, you know, I think if you go back 15 years and you look at it, you know, data sets were very much smaller. So the demand for, you know, for very large storage was significantly smaller. And I think, you know, what people did, I mean, you just look at video now and, uh, you know, we just see, we do, we do a lot of work with people who do video, uh, various stuff with video post-production or everything that to surveillance to whatever. And you look at that and it's like 4K is just ordinary now, you know, and we got lots of people, anybody professional shooting 8K, man, that is a lot of data to lift around. And, you know, you want to move it from your server to somewhere else you better have a lot of cups of coffee around because it'll take you a long time unless your infrastructure has some, you know, ha, you know, has some uh, horsepower that you can uh, you know, push that data to, up, up to speed, right? So that, that, that's what's changed on it. And that, that's, you know, we've been very much in the forefront of that. So when you think about the, the core 45 drives business then, where, where you are today, what, what's today's goal? How is it different than you know, back in the early days of, of figuring out these storage solutions for cloud providers, what what's the focus today for that business? Yeah, so I have to say focuses. I wish we had one, life would be easier. But, uh, you know, we follow where our customers are. And I'll tell you our main, uh, you know, and, and, and we'll leave aside our, our home labs world that we're, that we're in. Uh, we earn our living largely off of, uh, you know, vastly off of, of, of enterprise, and that word enterprise is broad generalization. Uh, some of the areas that we work in, um, uh, government, uh, strangely, governments produce a lot of data for some reason. I don't know, for better or for worse, but uh, we, uh, especially at federal government level, mm -hmm. uh, we deal with federal government everything from law enforcement to scientific agencies to you know military services etc we do a lot of work with them uh and a lot of that uh and it ranges from from our high density standalone servers and uh, a lot of clustering on that a lot of data sets to go larger than that and the whole thing of clustering getting into high availability being able to survive a, a you know a server outage and, and still keep running so that's an important area of ours uh another one research universities and research lab well there's a crossover to federal government there in research we do a lot of research stuff uh really really interesting projects 
you know, I'm just thinking your receipt of California, San Diego wildfire project is one that just popped out the other day. We were talking about them. I don't think they mind us talking about them. Uh, they have very, 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 <laughs> so, yeah, well, exactly. No, I, 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 they're, uh, I don't think there's any, any big secrets there. They got a, a wildfire project where they okay. use basically video cameras, a huge array of video cameras to do fire observation and be able to spot wildfires yeah. and uh, artificial intelligence uh, and, and algorithms and and just massive data sets like huge flow of video in and then and then then processing it and it's tens and tens and tens of petabytes so we do that high-end clustering thing that's uh, a real uh, area of expertise for us doing open source clustering um, we have another area that's really interesting to me that's that's really developed and it's small and medium municipalities okay. uh, they have interesting to have a huge data problem they have all their general data, which bloats everywhere. They got taxpayer databases and GIS data, et cetera, et cetera. But it also takes in education, which is having data bloat. And uh, the other one, police departments, interestingly. So forensic data, you go to crime scene, there is high, ultra high res video everywhere, uh, large photos and uh, forensic data off computers. And on top of that, they got body cams and, um, and, and car dash cams. And uh, they have a massive data problem. And they develop something we call server zoo, hmm. you know, which so many organizations have. You, you, know, you bought an old, you know, good old Dell back in 2015, and it's still chugging away, but it's a little small. You bought another one, and it's an HP enterprise. You bought another one from somebody else, bought another one from somebody else. And your data is here and there and everywhere. And if any one of those standalone servers goes down, and in that municipality case, the, the DA's got to go to court to prosecute a serious crime, and they can't get their brief printed out off the storage server. You got an emergency. Yeah. So what we do with them, uh, they are adopting storage clustering, which is really fascinating because you know, I, I mean, before it was a little too exotic for them. We do our, our, our we we internally call a niche clustering for everyone, uh, and we create clusters that really work in every which way for them. And uh, all of a sudden, they got one piece of storage infrastructure that's infinitely elastic. Software spaces designed or, or, or uh, shares designed, uh, set up in software so that, uh, you know, you just want to expand. Good. Plug in more hard drives. Uh, add another server. Server goes down. No big deal. I'm going fishing yeah. in the weekend. I'll fix it on Monday. So th those are some of our areas that we do. There's there's a number of other ones, but th those are that, you know that that's probably sixty percent of our business right there. Well, when you're when you're thinking about the the underlying hardware, obviously the company's name's Forty Five Drives. Everyone knows that, uh, or at least our audience knows that store, initial Storinator product. But are you looking at? I mean, obviously you've got flash solutions now that are a little bit different. Um, you're looking at higher capacity servers. Do you care or do you need? you know, some hundred plus bay, super dense thing. And then on the other end, you were talking about some of the edge work, be it around uh, forest fires or, or any of the hundreds of other use cases. Are you looking at anything uh, in the enterprise portfolio that would be smaller and rugged, ruggeder for, uh, for these edge use cases? Or are those two sides of the, uh, the 45 middle interesting to you? Well, you know what, we, uh, we really cover uh, well, 15 drives up to 60. We've looked at higher density. You know, um, and get in the whole JBOD world. If, if you want slow, ultra large, you know, JBOD is way out in that slow end of it. And when you want fast, uh, 
you know, if you look at, we don't have a hard number for it. I've always wanted us to do a little bit of math on it and uh, and uh, around, uh, you know, CPU power per terabyte of, uh, or, or, you know, per uh, storage device mm-hmm. or per capacity. You know, there's a whole issue of density uh, of, of storage versus density of CPU and PCI lane. And we think we're in 60. We think we're we're somewhere in the top of that. When you get past that, you get into cold storage. And, you know, because of our pricing is we have a lot of enterprise. That, that they like the reliability. They like our stuff for cold storage for that. But it's, uh, you know, there's other stuff in cold storage you, you can get to. Okay. So we, ha- we right, right now we're not going there. Low end, getting down to four drives. Okay? And on, on, on performance, uh, yeah, moving to Flash, uh, we have a, a Storinator Flash 32 drive unit, which is out now and, and doing very, very well for us. It's a SATA, SATA SAS machine. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, actually the our last uh, our, our last component we need to manufacture, manufacture it. We sort of pre-released it uh, a few months back, uh, but it's a, a 32 drive NVMe. It's, it's actually the, it's the first tri-mode machine uh, out there with the new UBM standard, mm. and uh, you know we we built a card and working on that tri mode card for quite a while. Uh, so you can plug in SAS, you know, hot swap SAS, SAS, and uh, and NVMEs in it, and it will do 16 million IOPS and uh, I think 32 gigabytes per second transfer speed. So it's a yeah. beast. Though. Yeah, going to be cool. When, when yeah. you have that, you need to get one over here. We've got all those uh, big fat Solidime QLC drives. We'd love to throw in there and fill that thing with the 30 terabyte or maybe we can get the 60s by then in, in big quantities. It's absolutely amazing what the SSD guys are doing in, uh, in, in flash capacity right now. Really impressive. And it's not all that expensive. Obviously it's more than a 20 or 25 terabyte hard drive, but you were talking a little bit about software. If we get into some more advanced software that can do compression, deduplication, and if you start putting enough gear in here in terms of CPU and, and DRAM, it gets pretty interesting in terms of what you can do to extend the life or the the, uh, uh, the effective capacity of those drives. Now, it's not for every workload. You know, Obviously, backups, probably not the right use case, media entertainment, anything uncompressible, but there's plenty of other use cases where that's, uh, that capacity is really really great and you can stretch it. Um, okay, so I know we've talked a lot about 45 drives and how we got here, and I think that's sort of foundational for how we got here. And and for anyone on the audio, I'm gesturing at our HL15 sitting on the desk next to me. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you saw our video, but our team was pretty enamored by it, and they don't get excited about much, really, from a hardware perspective. And and I don't mean to be uh, disrespectful in any way, but we see, I've got hundreds of servers in this lab and downstairs. We've seen it all, touched it all. They really love the build quality of this system all the way down to just little things on soft edges and uh, powder coated interior and, and lots of little things. But before we get into all of that, how did, the, how did you conceive of the HL15 and what sort of conversations or market research did you do to determine that for your first launch anyway that this was the config you wanted to go with can i duck your question for one second sure I and mean, we talked about your video and i loved it it was incredibly flattering so obviously i loved it for that reason but first <laughs> thing i did when i heard it so 
we manufacture in North America, right? And uh, not that common. And, uh, you know, all the physical side of it's done in North America. In fact, our, you know, our new NVMe boards, North American made and, and, and whatever else. So uh, big believer in that. Anyway, our people actually make the metal uh, and our people who assemble. And we saw that and, and love the fact, uh, you know, you pick things up, edges, you know, but buy anything today. Go buy a new barbecue at uh, Home Depot or wherever you get it, and you, and you, you know you risk cutting your hands. You know it's funny. We uh, our our crew, the manufacturers, we spend a lot of time with them. You know, uh, industrialism, incredibly efficient way to make things. In the old craft days, people knew their customer, and they got this satisfaction when they did their work, and their customers they'd be in touch with them, and somebody'd say thank you. You work in the restaurant industry. Somebody says, thank you. That's great. You know, thanks for the coffee you poured me at the at the coffee shop or whatever else. Mm -hmm. They don't get that. Right. And and these people, we've been working. We always work. And we say to everybody, you know, if you're working at the deburse station and parts come through, you know, you're not there to shove it in a machine, taking it out and just take it out. We get robots to do that. We get humans to do it because use their brain and go up, up a level and say, no, I'm here to make that part, that rough piece of metal into something good that's going to go to somebody like yourselves at the end of the day. You guys pointed that out. We took that. We cut up a little bit of your video, took it over to all our production ships and showed them that and said, guys, am I ever proud of you guys? You know what? This is what you guys do for other human beings. So, uh, and, and they appreciated it. So thank you very much for that. Well, it's, it's like a legit, it's a legit thing though. And especially when you choose white, which is a bold conversation, we'll talk about paint schemes later. If you bleed in this, it's going to be really obvious. And, uh, and I, uh, I think it was Dylan, our intern, I hope OSHA's not listening, just last week or maybe two weeks ago, cut, him, cut his hand a little bit. Oh, Jordan did it too. Uh, and Kevin's, I, everyone's cut themselves on a server or a piece of equipment in here for some reason or another that's, that really shouldn't be sharp. But like, especially some of these uh, these edges, like that hold your fans in and the uh, the drives, on many other servers, those things are quick cut and they're not they're not smooth. And uh, you know, would I recommend someone buy a server only because it wouldn't make them bleed? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not a top eight feature, but it's a huge differentiator when, especially with something like this, where people are going to tinker a lot and play around a lot and be inside this thing a lot. That's why it stood out as is, is such a uh, an important thing uh, to us anyway. But uh, all right, so I, I appreciate you pausing and calling that out after we you know noted it. Uh, it. It's a great thing. So you know the the conversation right before that was like, how did you get to the HL fifteen? So maybe you can take that on and and talk to us about why we're here with this. Sure, uh, home labs. Uh and, and, and geeks, I say me as a proudly being a geek. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish I had time at my age 59 now and, and you know, three companies that, that rock and, uh, and, and lots of stuff going on in my life. I wish I had more time to play with technology and I don't, I got to do it vicariously, unfortunately. But we got a whole bunch of people in our company that, you know, when they come to work, they do technology and when they go home, they do it for recreation. And, uh, you know, we, we early on with when we first started in the, you know, first started 45 drives, we, you know, as you know, a lot of video, a lot of YouTube video and your audience would know. Uh, and we started to do that. And, and, uh, and, and out of that, we got a lot of people who they liked our open approach, you know, our new enterprise 
let's get rid of this snobby crap. Let's be real about technology. Let's make great stuff and and look after people. So uh, doing that, so we, we crossed over into that audience and we had people, so many people over time who said, will you sell us one of your enterprise chassis? Uh, will you, uh, you know, and, and can I buy one of them? Right. And you go, you know, anyway, so and, and why do they want it? It's the big, strong, fast thing. It's, you know, I don't know, why do you want it? I don't know. My son is a little bit of a, got a little touch of the redneck. I joke with him uh, and uh, I half joke with him. And, uh, and and he loves the outdoors. He snowmobiles and stuff like that. We live in a, you know, in a relatively small, low population density. And, uh, and, and so he drives a, a large diesel pickup truck. And, and I think that, you know, that's part of the attraction we did when we first started talking about the product. We said, you know, we use the analogy. We said, we, what we build in enterprise are the equivalent of 18 wheelers. And there's lots of people who are fans of machinery and look at 18 wheeler. I got a little bit of that in me. I look at them go by and you know, I got 600 horsepower turbo diesel and lots of chrome on it and all that horsepower and capacity. And they go, Hey, that'd be cool. I like to own that. And then you go, yeah, but when I bring it home and the wife sees my visa bill, and, and when I turn on, and the uh, that that beautiful redundant, you know, 700 watt power supply uh, starts blasting, it's just not working. So, and and we said, you know, how do we boil this down, and how do we go? People are asking us for this, and and both, you know, for full build stuff, and also because we know, because it's us too, mm-hmm. that there's people want to tinker, they want to build their own stuff, they got their own visions in their head. And and you go, yeah, what can we do for them? And we've been talking about that for ages and, and you know, turning away this, you know, steady trickle of requests on it. We said, uh, we'll put one more data point in this. We are excellent low volume, you know, this high-end enterprise, you know, very large data storage thing. It's not a high volume business. Right. Okay. And uh, we looked at that. We know how to run a business and build products at a reasonable price. You can't build a budget price, but a reasonable price at very low volume. So you said, let's put something out. Let's build that product. You know, in automobiles, you know, you can get to work in a Kia, and it's probably much more sensible. My son wanted to buy his GMC pickup truck with 450 horsepower turbo diesel and 1,000 foot-pounds of torque. And does he really need that? No, but he likes it. So, you know, do you really need, you know, 1,180 megabytes a second, you know, as one half of your your HL15 in your home lab? No, but you know, lots of people would like it. So we said, can we do a product? We said, uh, so we said, yeah, well, let's put some energy into it. Let's see if we can do it. So that that's that's where we went. Well, well you must have, uh, I mean, I know the pre-order was wildly successful. I don't know what that means in terms of units built, but um, I mean, you must have built quite a few of these. Do you have any, is there any any perspective there on on this versus your enterprise business in terms of of units? Is is this uh, is this a material thing for you? Is this a fun project for you guys? Like, how do you characterize this? You know, when we pre-ordered this thing, we looked at this and we said it's boutique. You know, and I look at the comments, a lot of videos, and people say it's out of my affordability range, and uh, and I get it. I, you know, I, we we get who the home labs world is, yeah. and. Uh, a lot of young people in the home labs world. It's certainly not all, but it's young people, and you know, you're early in your life. Your financial means aren't necessarily there. So, said, so, you know, it's, you know, at a, you know, five thousand dollar machine is just not people aren't putting their home labs. We get it down to two thousand, bring it down as, you know, to where we can bring it down, and we know, uh, it's a MacBook Pro. 
just for perspective, we look around at other products and MacBook Pro. A lot of people buy MacBook Pros, I've but got, they buy it for I've got style. one on the desk. Yeah. <laughs> they, you know, good machines. They do great stuff. Well engineered. They're beautiful. Uh, I would argue that uh, actually, you know, my own choices. Uh, I don't use them. I'm much more attracted to a, a little bit more utilitarian, uh, you know, sort of Kia type laptop, uh, if I could say that. I get it. You're, and you're, you're more what, of a slide rule guy. I hear you. Yeah, I'm at more of a slide rope. But he said, can we get in that range? Let's see where we go. And, you know, our aspirations, if we had, when we did this, and, you know, we're entrepreneurial, we said, we'll take a risk on this. We'll invest in it. Uh, lots of energy into it. Uh, and uh, he said, you know, if we sold 250 of these in year one, we'd call it, say, that's okay. Okay. And, and uh you know, we we would have. You know, I, I don't have the numbers around, or whatever. But our, our, we were way in excess of that in our, our pre-sale period. Nice. So I'm going. Wow, this is this is. So we hit something. You know, we're not intending to. Uh, you know, we came into this. We said, you know, this is not a product for everybody. It's a niche product, and uh, you know, and what we want to do is fill a gap that you know, take that enterprise, take that power, simplicity, robustness. And along with the, the, the physical side of it, uh, put that together, boil it down to the home lab and build something that's big, strong, fast, that you do crazy data rates out of, you know, you know, load it up with all kinds of things from virtual machines to Plex servers to, you know, uh, you know, whatever else you want to you want to put on that. Yeah, gaming Which home automation. And, and yeah, and, and, uh, and uh, I, I think we hit it. I think we're there for first product. We got lots more products coming out in this. Uh, given that this is, we've got our uptake in that, yeah. so we're we're very very happy with where with the reception we got. But great! Just a reminder to our uh, Discord guys listening live: you can put your questions in the chat if you want to ask Doug anything or uh, ask me anything too. I don't care. Uh, we'll uh, ha happily uh, put those questions up. I did pre-solicit some questions yesterday uh, that came in. One of the first ones, Doug, was why bother offering a white and a a black chassis the effort to paint these things wouldn't it have been easier just to make it black and move on why why'd you even waste time injecting style into this thing so i'm thinking henry ford you can have it any color as, you as want as long as it's uh, black right oh is black you know what we asked around and, and you know we did a lot we we went outside we you know we asked reddit and we asked people you know like you know people in the in, in, in our YouTube influencer world, whatever else, what they thought about it. And uh, just people said, you know, would it be nice? What would you think? And, and we could. So, uh, you know, we can customize because of our, you know, you know, look, if we're doing this way, everybody else does and go off to a, you know, an offshore shop and get somebody to make 10,000 of them, bring over a container load of them or a couple container loads of them. Uh, you know, it's an issue. Uh, our production techniques, our mass custom production techniques, uh, it lends itself to doing that. And, uh, you know, if anything, if people like the color is good, we'll come up with more. So we're able to do it. We thought we'd throw it out there and it's been really interesting because there's been a pretty equal mix on them. So good. Well, Does it, uh, actually, while you were describing that, we got a question about specifically on the cost. Does the adding color and graphics to the front, does it make any much different? I mean, it obviously, to your point, if you outsourced them to Asia and bought a thousand and brought them over, they would all be black and they'd all be cheaper. But uh, I, I guess there's a question of is, what's the cost impact of the high quality paint and, and graphics here? Is it 
significant, not significant? You know, I don't really have visibility into, into your production methods. So if you manufacture in North America, if you're a first world manufacturer, uh, your big cost is, you know, what we bear is uh, our labor costs are way higher. We're a big believer in, in, in paying fair wage to our people who work here. Yeah. And uh, they're very much in with variable pay too, and they share in, in, in how we do as a company. Uh, and that's your biggest cost is getting somebody just moving apart through a manufacturing station has a way higher cost. The impact of what you put on it, whether you put on garbage, cheapo powder coat, or whether you put on uh, uh, you know high quality powder coat, uh, is secondary. You know in terms of a percentage, and you do the equation and say we can't compete in cheap. We can't. You can't do it in North America. That's why everybody does it offshore. Uh, not possible to do it. So we have to make it up by being good by putting quality in it. it, it I, I, I don't know another formula to really do it in North America other than get rid of all the people and put robots in there. And uh, it's, it's not our game. We're not into it. We're, we're actually very much a people organization. So uh, that's what we can do. So that's what we do do. And uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in free market. And when I say free market, I, I think of it from the customer's choice first that, you know, people, uh, we're just all better off and we have more choices in front of us. And you know, and, and people are free to buy this or they're free to buy inexpensive. And, you know, what we want to do is something that fills a niche for certain people. And uh, that is part of it. So that's very much part of it. So, so you talked about cost and, and this has been sort of a hot button. I'm sure you're well aware of this and, and you addressed some of it in, in your prior conversation around, what is it? It's 2K for the chassis, the board, the power supply, fully burned in, all you need to bring are drives. Is that the... That's the highest end, right? Ballpark, yeah, that's okay, our full so build. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever it is. But you've got two, at least two steps down from that, right? Where you can get it uh, just the chassis or just the chassis and the board. I mean, you've got some other options to provide some flexibility for people that want to get into this but might want to tweak it one way or another. Yep, uh, oh, exactly. You know, we look at that market, you know, again, we don't have to look very far. We just look inside our walls. We've got a bunch of people who are, their hand their, 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 their hand goes up or their mouth opens every time we talk about this. And they got their own view. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, Home Lab's cost-conscious world. Okay, number one, it just is. And and it, I think it's in, in the this you know, the, the marketing world says you know when they analyze groups of people. They say the tech enthusiast, the very intelligent. Uh, technology-oriented human being, they tend to think that you know things should all cost what the lowest mass-produced item costs, right. and that, that's a feature of the marketplace, right? That's sort of a, a center of that, uh, and um, and 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 so it's yeah, that's in there. So you, you know, you kind of yeah, putting a uh, putting a premium option in there is putting a premium option in there, and it's it's just you know. Let's get that choice out there to people, and uh, it's got to be real. So we put out a choice. The, the other feature, then, sorry, the place is going. The other feature of that group is they like technical control. Uh, you know, I'm watching. I really enjoyed you guys. Uh, you know, just, you know, good, you get it. Take her apart, reconfigure it, right? That thing, that's what we like to do as technical people. We like to take control and and do what we want. And you know, for some people, it's full build because I want to take control of how I use it and go up a layer into software and function. Other people want to get down that hardware layer. So we looked at that and said, uh, you know, we've had so many requests for chassis and uh, 
people have very much have their own idea of what they want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people, and we're good. Good. So we set that up uh, as an option for them should they want to build direct wired, high speed, you know, uh, you know, the, the elegant simplicity architecture server. Uh, that's what it is. That's what it's for. You know, there. Uh, and we put that out, and it's been good. We. Um, we're probably, you know, full builds of our orders, you know, 45% full builds, okay. 55% one of the, one of the other options. So, which is pretty cool. I, I love it. I, I, you know, that, you know, this is people that both have fun with technology, also drive the world forward, man. There's a lot of smart people and a lot of these smart people go to work and move the technology world forward there. So they want to get out and tinker and get some of their creative energy out on it. Lo love I, I love it. I'm well, you know, proud to be part of it. Yeah, I mean, we have this debate every time a, a QNAP or Synology, whatever comes into the lab, the the, the first the first response uh, is normally, can it play crisis? And then after that, the response is, uh, that's expensive, I can build it on my own. And in some cases with those prepackaged, well, in all cases with those prepackaged NASs, what you're really paying for is simplicity, right? And maybe feature set with some of the applications and stuff they have built into the OS, but buyers of those devices want to slot drives in, hit power, and go. They don't necessarily want to tinker. If they do, it's more on the app side. And, and, and there's plenty of reasons why, to, why getting one of those is a, is a great idea. This is different than that. This is, if you buy the whole system, this is uh, drop your drives in and do whatever you want with it. And the roadmap is wide open. I assumed incorrectly that we'd be putting TrueNAS on this and using it pretty much as a straight NAS box. But the guys here, as you said, did uh, did something entirely different. That's also an option. Yeah. The, the Home Lab guys <coughs> will also go buy a $300 server off eBay with you know a lot of age and wear and tear on it, and then you know go make that work and, and tinker and do things that way. There's a wide spectrum, I guess, is is the point. And, uh, and I hear you that, that you're trying to address a certain piece of the market with this solution while offer, also offering other iterations without the board or whatever that people can pick up and, and go run with. Um, and we actually did get some questions on the board. Uh, this is a, it's a super micro board X11, I think, on, on this thing. How did you end up on that as the right choice? Was it purely cost-based? Did you think about going with with something more modern? Is it just a balance of cost and cores and clock and you know that kind of thing for this audience? Tell me about that. Yeah, it, cost would be a big driver. We're looking at two grand, uh, and uh, you know, and and the volumes that these things going to be produced at, and uh, you know. Uh, and, and we, we put that together with the fact that, you know, our brand big, strong, fast, and uh, we got to keep to that. So you need to get enough horsepower in there to number one. I mean, number one thing it's got to be able to do. And it's, uh, you know, one of the things we did, we, we put a little video just, you know, hooking it up to one machine, a little video editing and do a drag and drop. Good to see 1180 megabytes per second on a drag and drop transfer in Windows. Uh, need to get enough board to be able to do that. And uh, actually Mitch Hall just did, a, actually just tell me today, he's playing around with uh, multi-channel SMB. And uh, and uh, he, so he's got two lines and two lines in and uh, simple drag and drop in Windows and he's at 1800 
megabytes per second. So yeah, you need enough board to do that, right? And uh, and on top of that, we wanted to get enough horsepower in here uh, such that somebody wants to put Proxmox on there, uh, you know, and then wants to run a Plex server at the same time and whatever else. We wanted to put enough in there so they could run all that stuff simultaneously. And we thought this was a compromise and holding to that, you know, our whole, you know, line increase, you know, where's the price point? Good, we can put whatever you want on there. It's just, the, you know, you start moving up into yeah. server boards and uh, and the price goes up. And, uh, and and people can do that on their own if they want to do that. They can build the architecture. They can figure out how to get the, uh, you know, 15 drives, uh, you know, plugged into it and, uh, and 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 get through the bus, and they can put in whatever they want, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's it, it's all there. Yeah, it's just it was a uh, at, at a compromise. You don't have the price point thing sitting around, and we don't in enterprise. I mean, we sell some really cool stuff in enterprise. People get us to beef up things, and uh, you know, if you're a if you're a hot rodder, uh, you know, uh, you, you, it, it, it's pretty cool. But uh, we right now will will leave people to do that on their own if they wish to uh, put higher horsepower. And you know what's in there? Yeah, it'll move. Oh, no, there's no doubt. Yeah, but it, it sounds like one of your guiding principles in developing the HL15 was really holding the line at 2K on on price point and not drifting above that. Is that accurate? Well, that's you know, look, this first product out of the gate, we got we got a roadmap, uh, you know, going forward, uh, and so uh, we said, let's stay there. That's what people told us, especially we did our little run at, uh, at Reddit, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, gingerly stepped into the potential lion's den and uh, it was actually good. We, uh, you know, we very, very respectful uh, reception that we got in there. We got a lot of very good feedback from people and that $2,000 price point kept on coming up. So we said, yep, we hear you. We'll do our best on this product number one in here. Well, I mean, you... You guys know in product development, there's no pleasing everyone. And in this market specifically, it's even harder. So look, I mean, like we said, eBay's there if you are on a strict budget and 250 bucks for a, you know, an old uh, power edge that you want to work on and, and hack around on. There's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, that's the beauty of Home Lab. Every time we're doing a live or something and, and people are like, how do I get started? My advice is always to go on Newegg closeouts or whatever the, the big retailer is in your region. Find one of those small form factor uh, optiplexes or, or whatever the HP uh, version is, those little workstations that often come with a Windows license and a little SSD boot drive for like 130 bucks, 110 bucks. Buy one of those and start and just do something. Install Proxmox, install Hyper-V, install ESXi, you know, go put a NIC in it, go, just go do something. But HomeLab doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, this is just like your, your car analogy. Driving doesn't have to be expensive. Do you want something a little more fun for autocross? Yeah, I mean, that Kia may not be a blast, but you know, they do have some other models that are quicker. But maybe you want a little GR86 from Toyota, still affordable and more fun. I mean, I, I, in my mind, that's really where I put this. This is a premium home lab offering, in my opinion. And, uh, but it's, it's, at its core, it's a server, and it's really flexible, and you're giving your customers the ability to pick this up without having to, to get out the screwdriver much um, and, and wrench on it if they don't want to. And, and I think that's, 
that's pretty fun. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a fair distinction there. There's plenty of swim lanes in, in the home lab space. And it sounds like uh, I'm sure you're not ready to divulge your roadmap now, but you're working on some other stuff that might be pretty cool. One of our favorite things here, I'll, I'll give you my pitch. One of our favorite things um, a couple years ago for, for the home lab audience is HPE's got this little ProLiant micro server. It's a little four bay SATA, three and a half inch dude, um, Gen 10 plus or Gen 10 anyway. Real little form factor. It's, uh, I don't even know what it goes for these days, four or 500 bucks. But again, a really nice progression up to not everyone needs this or wants this or can fit it under their, their bed <laughs> in their dorm room or whatever. So I, I do think a little tiny one that's even more aggressive on price point would be pretty fun. I'm sure you're considering something like that. Well, you know what? I, look, I'll tell you where we're going. You, 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 real rough, I'll sketch it out. Okay. Uh, you're going to see a thin client come out soon. And uh, and uh, we're, there's going to be an interesting form factor on it, on it all. Uh, and uh, these thin clients coming out, it's not really any pull there. It's one of these things going to go up. And, and I don't know if anybody's going to want to buy one or not. Uh, you know, it'll be a, a very nice single board uh, Linux computer. Uh, I, I have one in my living room that we built because I wanted something for my network that sits underneath my TV. And uh, and and so I got that you know uh, ultra dead quiet uh, fanless. Anyway, that's just a little aside. Uh, Wait, so so for fun, you just went and built a, a mini home theater PC uh, terminal, basically. Yeah, that that's basically it. And uh, you know because I looked around and I I thought the uh, you know there, there's there's stuff like that out there. there there's plenty of them, but uh, you know it's something that comes with a. You know, I got Ubuntu on it, and you know, just you know, that's GUI, and uh, and uh, yeah, and it's just it's there, and it's dead. I wanted something dead quiet, and that looks good. Yeah, that sits in there. So we'll we'll be following along that path on there, and uh, but and, and the storage side of it, that that's that as I said, that's a little aside, and it's a very small project for us. Uh, you're gonna see uh, four drive and eight drive spinner machine, and uh, you're gonna see a going to see a couple of uh, of uh, SSD machines All in the right. same size. Nice. And uh, yeah, yeah, that, that that's the uh, that's the majority of what you're going to see over the next little while. Well, and, it, and yeah, price point, it, we're going to try to keep in there. The price point we have, right, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, we look at, uh, you know, the price that we see for, say, a Synology in there. You know, they're they're sort of you find your discount end of it that'll go lower than that, but they're pushing a couple hundred dollars per per drive bay on it. Yeah. The machine we have out right now is 133 bucks. If I do my math right, 140 bucks per drive bay, and uh, that's because you don't. So, have, you that's because you saved all the money on caddies. You have the uh, the direct drop in. You you got all that big yeah. caddy money you <laughs> saved there, and actually that was a design question. I don't mean to cut you off, but I I, I, guess, I guess I did. You your design is is three fans in the front for the hard drives, three fans behind the hard drives, and it's, uh, it's a, it's a drop-in from the top loading mechanism, caddy-less. It actually has a little friction, uh, kind of springy dude on there, so you can't drop the drive onto the back plane and break it, which is another pretty big deal from a design perspective. But uh, why did you guys opt to go with that versus the more traditional front slot load caddy design for something like this? Yeah, uh, it's our, our server room heritage. Okay. You put out a drive, a sixty drive machine that's got four screws per caddy, two hundred forty screws, and then the uh, your employer's got uh, repetitive stress injury issues. 
That's why. And, uh, that's why when Kevin mounts hard drives and caddies, he usually uses one screw, and then he gets like the front right, and then just leaves it. It's all you need. Uh, we 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 hate that idea. It is a big waste of valuable human time. So that's our biggest reason for not doing that. Uh, and the other part, caddies accomplish this. That spring is there. Yes, you don't drop it. It also controls vibration when it's in in place. It uh, you know self-induced vibration. Uh, and that whole issue, you know, when you, if you want to engineer a really really robust storage server, get the power right. Yeah. And get vibration looked after and get thermal looked after. We very careful, a lot of engineering time into those. Uh, we actually got a, a, a video our Brett Kelly did a little while ago. We got another one coming out about how to handle hard drives. And uh, there's a couple motions where if you just pick two hard drives up and click them together, mm -hmm. you can damage that. There, there, there's, there's a certain axis that they're extremely sensitive in and uh, won't necessarily kill the thing. But what it'll do is it'll shorten its lifetime dramatically. So we set them up. That, that's why, because you don't want to drop it in and you don't want it vibrating. And uh, yeah, handle them carefully. And they're the most incredible things. Don't handle them carefully and get problems. So well, we've anyway, seen, that, that we've seen plenty. Loading. Yeah, we've seen plenty of those that'll come in with a little, a little dent in the case, and you don't think it's much, but uh, it, it it doesn't take much. To, they're precision instruments. I mean, inside there, you got ten platters spinning at uh, 7200 rpm right and little swing arms that have got to go out and all the heads and everything i mean they're they're really remarkable inventions and actually the podcast that's out now the one right before yours with with seagate talking about hammer and getting 50 terabyte hard drives again similar cool. design but using the uh the the heat assisted to fire that little track up right the data and then instantly cool it off i mean the 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 run you know, I posted a tape video on social yesterday. Tape's dead, tape's dead, hard drive's dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this stuff's going to be around for a very long time. There's nothing, Flash is, is great, and we talked about that, but there's nothing on a cost per terabyte basis that can beat this stuff for uh, hundreds of use cases. Yeah, and cost per terabyte, you know, the other thing that, uh, you know, when we look at Flash, and, and we're fans, I mean, you know, you know, the, the right tool for the right job sure. and flash has its place there's some workloads that flash is awesome for uh but there's other ones on a, on, on a cost per terabyte but also in lifetime we're doing a little project that we'll, we'll share with you at some time uh where we're just we're torture testing drives we're just writing them fully and then erase them writing them fully erasing them and uh you know it's a lifetime thing and we said, well, let's just do consumer and enterprise. And then we threw Flash in there just for fun, yeah. knowing who's going to die first. And the Flash is 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 not going to last. And in fact, they're they're now gone. They're they're essentially dead. They're they're like a drunken man wobbling all over the place right now, barely barely standing. And uh, both the consumer and the enterprise are are going like like full blast. Nothing. So if you ever write, you know, it's got nothing to do with home usage because you just don't write that much data. Right. But when we get into our enterprise, you know, any any you know, a lot of professional workloads that are write heavy, yeah, you got to watch because you're going to be replacing your flash on a regular basis. And you know, and the worst part of replacing it is you kind of get to a period where it's starting to get fuzzy on you, and then it just bogs everything down, and you have to make that decision to pull them out and 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 the uh, you know the time to to, to let everything. You know, readjust and rewrite your redundant data and everything else. And it's, anyway. you speak like so a man it, who's had, you speak like a man who's had eye surgery before. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I had laser. Yep. That was about what it was. It slowly gets foggy until uh, until oh. you 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 don't realize it. But then when you fix it, you're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea my vision yep. was so poor. Uh, you talked yep. about wobbly, and you talked a little bit about taking care of hard drives. We got a couple questions here about taking care of the system itself. How do you how do you characterize uh, support and warranty for something like this? And I guess specifically, there's a couple questions about if something happens, do I ship it back to you? Because that's I mean I I guess that's a plan, but it's sort of a drag when you get into heavier things like this that get expensive to move around the planet. Uh, but can you talk at all uh, about warranty and support and what uh, what you guys are doing for that for the HL15? So we know we know our warranty. We, you know we have an expected you know defect rate. It, it, it's really low. You know our experience in enterprise. I don't think home labs will be any different. Uh, people that know what they're doing. Uh, you know I don't think there'll be any big abuse induced problem or anything like that. So here's how here's how it will work, and it's very much. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's different from enterprise business. Uh, our promise to you, if you buy one of these things, you're going to get a working machine. It's going to be built to a very high standard, and the components will all work for you for the warranty period. Uh, if they don't, you get a hold of us at our, our email, our H, home, HL, uh, our, sorry, our 45 Home Lab uh, support address, mm -hmm. and somebody will get in touch with you from our service team. They will, we will diagnose it together. We'll ask you to do a few things to figure out what's wrong. And we shall uh, get new parts replaced. Sometimes we'll ask for them back. And uh, sorry, if you wish to replace them yourself, uh, if you want to get the parts. And, and most people prefer that because it's a quick FedEx run and you can get up and going in a very short time. Most people in home labs, most of our enterprise customers do that too. You know, something goes uh, and they go, yeah, send us a new one and we'll plug it in. Uh, if you don't want to do that, good. You get it back, and you get it here and back, and it'll go FedEx. It's on our nickel, so we owe you working uh, working machine. We do not support application level in home lab, mm -hmm. and it's, it's built into the price side of if your enterprise. You pay for the support. Uh, you know, pre, they come pre-configured, but we don't directly support that. But we've set up our uh, our forms, and and our forms. Uh, you know, what's been happening is. We have an active community on there already, uh, and uh, there is mutual support in the community. Plus, we will be regularly, like daily, monitoring it from personnel in here and 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 adding what we can to it. So, you know, one of the things that we can't support within the price point, not possible. Somebody does a home build and comes and says, "I can't get my uh, hard drive to show up in Linux on my home build." Obviously, but but come on to our forum and ask it in our forum because there's a community there. Yeah, and, and that's what's yeah. lovely about open source and home lab and whatever else. We love that. So we set that form up for all that application level stuff. Come on in there, post your stuff. We will be doing passes in there. We're not gonna answer every question or anything like that. Uh, it's not sure. possible, but uh, we'll, where we can add or unstick something, we'll be in there. So. Well, I, I would say on that note that as I'm sitting here looking at ours, the component count here is, is not high. I mean, you guys have, have put together a pretty simple board and if I've got to get at these fans or need to remove I mean it's a couple screws I mean nothing nothing in here isn't is what I would call complicated I've seen some of our PC builds that look um, much less tidy <laughs> than, than this if you want to troubleshoot something so yeah I, I mean I, I I get your point and uh, and and wanting to self-service it if you can I, I think that that's uh, 
an interesting angle and probably will be a popular one. And of course, people are going to tinker with this on their own. They're going to take the fans out. They're going to put in whatever they want. They're going to. We had a guy uh, in the chat while we've been talking that wants to put a liquid loop in here so they can make this into a true gaming mass. I, I don't. I don't subscribe to that idea. I think it's a terrible idea. Just because our guys did it doesn't mean it should be done. But you know, we, we we've got guys in here that want to run liquid loops and put a full GPU in here and, and do some crazy stuff. So, you know, I, uh, I <laughs> they're saying it's a great idea. Damn it! This is the is the chat. Also in the chat, just so you know, you're getting a lot of support for the drop-in uh, caddyless design. Uh, the number. Of, uh, of screws we've dropped around in, in here and uh, that reside under the racks behind me. There, there must be thousands. Um, a, a little screw army uh, underneath the, uh, the racks waiting to attack. But, you know, I, I think it's pretty neat. And the truth of the matter is, is even home labbers aren't swapping drives around all that much. It's, so I don't know that it's a big ask to, to take the lid off. And one other thing, that I liked about it, and I, this is so basic, but the little captive screws, two thumb captive screws on the front, it's just another thing where, you know, until you do it a lot and, and think about the value of some of these components that this probably costs, I don't know, six cents or something, but a regular screw is half a penny. And so when you look at volume servers, a lot of them don't do that, but we've had problems where you drop a screw on the board and you don't know it's there and you go to boot and now all of a sudden you've got a, a fun electricity lesson. Um, the more pieces that you can make captive or remove from the system, I'm all in favor of. I'm, uh, look, I, I've spent, you know, thousands and thousands of hours building electronics, building boards from scratch, screwing stuff together, working on machinery, working on computers. And, uh, I've got the cuts from the jagged edges, and I've got the drop screws and the little funeral pyre white smoke resulted. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Been there, done that. So <laughs> that's, that's why they're part of why they're built that way. Myself and a bunch of other people, my, you know, my business partner, that, that's our background. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, try, try to keep, in, inflict as little pain as possible. Yeah, uh, yes. W once you've been there, done that, you realize the pain and watching your investment go up in smoke is uh, not rewarding <laughs> in, any, in any way. Yep. Uh, but yet it, it happens uh, all the time. Well, I, I know we're, uh, we're a little over on time. I, we've done an, an hour and I, I feel like you and I could probably just keep chatting about technology and, and hard drives and, and servers for another hour without much trouble. Uh, I don't know if anyone wants to listen to that, but if they do, we'll come back and do a, a follow-up one. Uh, for now, the, the website for people that want to learn more about the HL15, that is, that's hlhomelab.com. Did I get that right? Uh, uh, it, yeah. Sorry, the HL15, yeah. uh, 45homelab.com. 45 45 home All right, 45homelab.com. We'll link to that in the, uh, in the uh, description here. Uh, any, any last words of advice for anyone thinking about this? What's, uh, what's, what's your last sales pitch? Well, you know, my sales pitch, I, I, I'm a believer in choice. Uh, you know, want to buy one of these things, premium hardware buy, we look after our customers. And, uh, you know, we've done our, our darn just to build something that's worthwhile, not for everybody. If it's not right for you, good. We understand. If you want to buy it, come on in, join the community, and we'd love to have you. So, and, uh, yeah, that's 
That's it. All right, awesome. I appreciate your time. These guys want us to do a giveaway, so we'll have to think about seeing if we can enable that uh, on, on Discord. So think about that while, while you uh, go back and report back to the crew how awesome this podcast was. But uh, again, we thank you for your time. <laughs> really appreciate the insight and uh, learning more about the background of 45 Drives, everything that you've been involved in. And uh, yeah, this thing's awesome. We're, uh, we're going to keep cranking on it and finish off our our first review. We've got actually a couple other ideas for this thing. So you tease your roadmap, I'll tease mine, and uh, we've got some more plans for you coming up. But uh, again, thanks again, Doug. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Can't wait to see what you guys do with it. Looking forward to the next episode and uh, come visit us sometime. Got it. All right. Thank you. Cool, man. Thanks, Brian.